0: I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Founder of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co., I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life, and my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom, and encouragement. And in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favorite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs, and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor, NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration.
1: Bow your head and
2: let your eyelids close on down. Welcome to Series 6.
0: I can't believe we're now 50 episodes in. I've been overwhelmed by the love you've shown this podcast in your comments and at the live events. Every week, wonderful, wonderful words are shared about these interviews and how they're helping you all along your own journeys. It just means the world to me. Rating this podcast and leaving a review makes this series more visible to others and in turn that means we can help inspire people together. So thank you if you have shared your love before. If you haven't, can I ask you a favour? If you've liked today's episode or any of the episodes, will you share, will you rate or review? Together we can share these inspiring stories that just might change someone's life. To launch series six, I've got a little bit of a different podcast this week. This week's episode is all taken from this year's Congregation of Inspiration and features snippets of all our brilliant speakers and their words of wisdom. It was truly a day like no other. The energy, passion and the inspiration filled the room. It was more than I could have ever imagined. From the brilliant Holly & Co choir Urban Voices Collective, who joined us for the day, to the buzzing marketplace. The inspiring speakers, all of whom were so generous with their time to our huge installation of clouds and giant diamonds. It truly was a day like no other. I do hope you enjoy this very special episode. everybody it is fantastic thank you for booking your tickets thank you for coming so far i know so many of you have traveled many many miles so from the bottom of my heart let me just start by saying thank you i'm seeing so many familiar faces in the audience you look incredible you look you've outdone yourself i see all the glitter the glitter trainers wow amazing So let's begin with a little bit about my story, how I found my diamond, and how you can too. You don't need a business plan, you just need a compass, the directions, and some sort of plan. And these are the few steps that I recommend. But first of all, I know this sounds like an easy one, but starting, isn't starting one of the most difficult things that we can do? but I say it's a bit like having a baby. There is no perfect time, you've just got to start. Is there anyone here, hands up, who's thinking about starting a business? Okay, I just wanna say congratulations. You just started your businesses and let's just give them a round of applause because they just launched their business. You see, there you go. It is as simple as that. No, you might not be able to give it all your time right now. You have not got the perfect plan. You don't even know what you're going to be called. That doesn't matter. Your business has just been born. So, now I'm talking to all businesses in the room. Here's how I did it. Number one is choosing your co-founder and flying solo. You have to do what's right for you. Do you prefer to work on your own, or maybe you need the yin to your yang? I knew I wanted to work with my friends who would help lift me up at difficult stages, and we founded Holly & Co. We knew we could work well together, and we had previously worked at Not in the High Street, but also I could trust them implicitly. I use the analogy of actually choosing a husband or wife. It's someone you would want to walk up the business aisle with. Number two, building a brand. We have founded Holly & Co. We decided that our business was offering advice and inspiration to small businesses or those dreaming of starting one. We would offer creative content with a shop of some form, creating a brand that was online and offline. And we wanted to make this brand immersive. The business will be built from our community. It was Holly and co and the name was born. Number three, monetizing your ideas. This can usually be the most difficult part. The good news is that the world is changing fast. One of my most commonly asked questions is, what is Holly & Co and how do you make money? You may have had this question too. People just love to ask you that question over the dinner table, don't they? As often, it's quite a surprise because I feel like it's a bit like they're asking the color of my underwear. And I just want to say, mind your own business However, I do understand that curiosity and that concern sometimes, and that's a good thing. You are creating something innovative and entrepreneurial. You are founding a business based on your passion, and they also might be a little jealous of that. So try not to take offense. My response in Holly & Co is I'm a content company with products and services and partnerships. Think back 10 years, influencers, YouTubers, podcasters, they didn't exist. But the most important thing you should remember when building your business is you have to, have to, have to be your number one biggest fan. I say this as I've met so many small businesses over the past couple of years who give their customers profile names. They say, Oh, Kate would buy this. She's our target audience. And I can see instantly that they've fallen out of love with their business. I take them back to the beginning and make sure that they become obsessed with what they're making. If you wouldn't buy it, you need to keep working on it. Number four, be a nerd. These are the creative people who are obsessed over detail, that love learning, and so become an expert in whatever they're passionate about. Number five, marketing and amplification. The world of marketing is changing drastically, and I personally have never loved the word marketing. So instead, at Holly & Co, we call it amplification. But in this news landscape, It's how you emotionally engage, sharing your stories, building a community, and ultimately, creating strong relationships with your customers. As Seth Godin said, my all-time hero, people do not buy goods and services. They buy relationships, stories, and magic. And number six, set exciting goals and work hard. This is the fun bit, not the working hard bit, the setting goals bit. When building Not On The High Street, Sophie and I would sit down every year, and boy, this motivated us. Lots of coffee, lots of lists. But my first dream on my personal list was to take Harry to Lapland for Christmas. It might have taken a few years to come true, but it was one of the best days of my life. When that dream was realized, Harry's little face when we were in the reindeer-pulled cart with candles lighting the way to see the big man. Please set goals, all varieties small, big, personal, and professional. It makes all the elbow grease pay off. I will finish up with these steps with a Teddy Roosevelt quote who said, Far and away, the best prize that life offers is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. And believe me, building a business is work definitely worth doing. Hey, it's Harry here, I'm Sugar Boy. I'm Holly's son, of course I've got my own business, selling my pots of sweets, supporting charities, meaningful sweets. Instead of you mentioning me this time, I'm mentioning you, I'm at your own event. Uh, my mum, so she's definitely jam-packed. If you saw her today, I think you'd know exactly the type of person she is with a Frida head dress on. I think she's got a fake pigeon coming out of her headdress. She's very colorful and creative and so passionate about what she's doing today. And She's making so many dreams come true. My lovely Harry there. I didn't even know he'd recorded this on the day. I hope that Harry is a testament to all working parents who feel the guilt. The fact that I didn't totally mess him up by missing his first steps, his first words, and his first sports day, as I focused on building, not on the high street. Now at 14, he's got his own business, Sugar Boy. He is my wingman, and I just couldn't be prouder of him. So, Back to the day, the first speaker I welcomed to the stage was the utterly brilliant Sahar, who founded Coffee Republic. After recording the podcast together a few months ago, Sahar is a woman I hugely admire. Her energy, her vision, her outlook and her total girl power attitude. I can't lie, I think I might have a huge girl crush on her now. Sahar lit up the room with her speech. Here's a short clip of her celebrating the feminine future of business.
3: Um, I'm just going to share with you one slide to start off. Um, I want you to look at this slide. This is from Forbes, because I don't know if you know what an absolutely extraordinary opportunity we have in this world we live in. Because what's happening outside the disruption, the digital disruption especially, is moving the world from quite a male world, whereby that whole command and control structure... It's moving it to somewhere very, very different. The old world of business used to be very male because command and control was actually, if you think about it, set up from the military. It was just the way they did it in the military. That doesn't work anymore. And we're moving towards much more feminine traits, which is why the heading of this article in Forbes was actually entrepreneurship is the new women's women's movement. Um, It's not always been like that. And I'm just going to tell you my story of how I came across entrepreneurship. Um, I started my life getting a job because I thought this idea of what entrepreneurs were, very much entrepreneurs, for me when I was growing up, there was just about one entrepreneur in the whole of the UK. And he was a man and his first name was Richard. And you can guess the rest. And this idea of Richard Branson entrepreneurship was... A, you had to have made your first million sending sweets su- in the school playground. B, you had to have dropped out of school in some way. Like, I never really dropped out of school, so I thought clearly if I didn't drop out of school, I've got absolutely no creative leadership ability whatsoever. I didn't make any money selling worms to my parents. So I thought clearly, entrepreneur, I am not. I'm not that type. So I went and got a job, and I absolutely hated it. I got a job whereby I couldn't be me doing it. Um, and I think for us women, that's very difficult. I got a job whereby every day when I went to work, I felt like I was leaving a part of myself behind. It was almost like I was leaving the real Sahar behind, 100% Sahar, my sort of heart and soul, and putting on this work face. And I just found that really difficult because I just couldn't understand. i would be working the bestest of my life most of my waking hours. How could I do something that wasn't really me? And I think... They're just about... You've got to know what qualities you have. I think just about the two qualities I've got in life is one is my optimism, the other my enthusiasm. And very quickly in the job I had, I realized just about the two qualities they didn't really want was optimism or enthusiasm. So I was like entirely wasted. And it's sort of like... Because I was disconnected from who I was, and it's so important for us to connect. I sort of almost... By the end of the five years in this job, I'd sort of resorted to bitching by the water cooler, kind of involved in office politics and the sort of bitchiness and cattiness. And until something happened, I came across entrepreneurship in a way by accident. So I genuinely think what I want to celebrate today, and my God, this room, this place, what Holly and co have created is celebrating what I genuinely consider is the feminine future. I think entrepreneurship is the new women's movement. Women that have come before us weren't so lucky. They had to emulate men. But we have the freedom to be 100% ourselves. My God, what an opportunity. Let's all find our diamonds. And my motto in life is leap and the net will appear. And I want all of you to just leap and keep taking the leap every day. Thank you very much. (laughs)
4: Hi, I'm Emily and I'm the founder of The Happy Newspaper and I'm back. (laughs) I'm here at the Congregation of Inspiration talking about the three C's and how to build a brand around content, community and commerce. I definitely wish I'd had something like this. Um, I don't find it easy standing up there but I know that a lot of people it helps a lot of people and I think it's something that is definitely needed and it's definitely giving people that opportunity and it's sort of reminding people that there isn't a definite right way to do things you can create your own work and life by doing something that you love.
5: Charlie Gladstone founder of Peddlers and the Good Life Experience and probably about I think 23 other businesses that I've got at the moment. I mean clearly today is beautifully done and beautifully put together and amazing decorations but actually I think it's that group of people and giving them confidence that success isn't necessarily a kind of financial thing and that possibly success is sort of existing within a community and doing something that is worthwhile because it makes you feel good. I do think it's great to have that sort of supportive energy and in fact, Holly asked earlier who was thinking of starting a business. I had very little choice but to put my hand up. You know, my position is probably that I I find it irresistible.
0: The amazing Charlie Gladstone, who founded Peddlers and the Good Life Experience. I've always greatly admired Charlie and the businesses he had built, and I became an even bigger fan when emailing him her head of the day to ask him if he might share his slides for his presentation. He replied, I don't really do slides. I might just bring some big banners if that's okay." I knew right then that this was a match made in heaven and he did not disappoint. Keep your eyes peeled for future announcements with Charlie. Um,
5: Truly, I mean, this this is extraordinary. And um, it's quite clear from the first sort of hour or two here that the energy and the love and the power in this room is something to behold. Now, I wrote this talk on um, Tuesday morning. I was sitting at the kitchen table with my, two of my six adult children beside me. The kitchen table was like the rest of my house, utterly, chaotically messy. There was stuff everywhere, and my head felt much the same way. And to make things worse, I was on my knees with exhaustion. You know that kind of raw exhaustion where you literally can't think straight. So I was making typos. I didn't really know what I was saying. But I got through it because I was blissfully happy. And the reason for that was that because 24 hours before that, 4,500 people at my annual festival, The Good Life Experience, had just left the site, which literally centers on our house and is in our house. With no full-time employees, we create an annual four-day celebration of food, music, craft, and the great outdoors and ideas. And it's seriously, brutally hard work. But when everyone leaves on Sunday night after four days, we sit around one of the many giant campfires. Campfires are a big part of this festival. On the site with our families and our friends. And we talk, and we laugh, and we drink. My point about talking about this is that that evening by the campfire is the moment. It's the one that all of the hard work leads to—the stress, the arguments, the uh, nasty moments with the bank. This is why I do what I do. But it all started differently, and I haven't actually—I've have, never told this story in public before. But I think it's kind of relevant, so bear with me. Um, I got married when I was 23 and had my first child when I was 25, and I suddenly took over the reins of my family business at that stage. I had no specific training, but through a mix of circumstance, it was time. And so that's what I did. One of the offices is in Scotland, so my wife Caroline and I, and our young child, moved from London to Scotland. What I soon discovered was that the Scottish business was completely on its knees. It was run by incompetent, lazy, chaotic, dishonest people, and it was literally up to its neck in debt, and further, in neglect. The atmosphere in the office was toxic. My uncle was the director, for example, just an example, and he refused to turn up to meetings if I called them. This man, the same man, was in charge of a department, but he failed to speak to that department for an entire year at one stage. So you get the picture. It was, on some levels, like a tough, immersive MBA, but an MBA that caused a near-nervous breakdown. Today, I still run that business, and I'm definitely very happy with it. It's all fine. In fact, it's more than fine. It's, it's pretty good. But in the intervening years, of, truth be told, it's the other businesses I've founded and run that have enriched and excited me and brought me, I suppose, as it were, to this stage today. And I mention the family business not just for context, but because I think that without that toxic environment, that I'd inherited, I'm not sure I'd have tried to create businesses that felt entirely different, if that makes sense. Sometimes you need to see what you don't like to understand what you do like. And I decided that chasing money was not my principal goal, which is lucky because I you know, genuinely I think I'm a good businessman, but that chasing happiness and creativity and joy for me and for all of our teams and for our customers was. And from the beginning, I called that the good life, a life of creativity, deeply hard work, I think hard work is part of the good life, enriching work, and a focus all the time on what matters, where I was able to work as hard on the children as the business, where feeding the chickens and walking the dogs was as valuable as doing a stock take, where kindness, empathy, fun, and community are valued above money. Now, At the root of my belief about business and what we do with life is this absolute sort of golden mantra, and I think you've got to hold on to this, however pissed off you get. Okay, so the world is full of wonderful people. And if you remember that, we can get through the dark times.
6: So uh, I'm Andy Poplar from Vinegar and Brown Paper, Mend Your Head on Instagram. I did the podcast, it was one of the early ones the feedback from it was just absolutely overwhelming um, I was getting messages coming through just saying how like people have really related to it and you just feel that there's so many people out there who've been through very similar things or going through very similar things and you just kind of feel this connection with people and it's all kind of like come from just you know like a couple hours we spent in the studio recording that podcast and So uh, coming down to the Congregation of Inspiration has been great today. I've been selling downstairs and I've had people coming up to me going, I listen to your podcast, like my name's such such and such, and introducing themselves and just talking to them, meeting these people like in the flesh. Uh, It's great. You've got this real community spirit and it is genuinely inspiring.
0: Next up was Rob Ryan, a creative genius. It really was a pinch me moment when he agreed to be our guest of honour at the Congregation of Inspiration. There is something very magical about recording in front of an audience. Here are just a couple of standout moments from Rob's podcast last week. And if you haven't listened to the last week's episode yet, please do. He is so open and generous with his lessons he's learnt along the way. Your words are just as integral to the paper cut as your design. What was that moment like when you almost discovered that you could put words and design in one? You know, did you feel that it was constrained, or do you feel like the words were beautifully picked and actually they had their place and there was no need for more?
7: Well, if, you, if we kind of go back to when I was at art college, um, I was on a fine art course, and fine art is fine art. It's basically three years, do what you like, knock yourself out, and at the end of the three years, you'll have a degree show. And I decided that, you know, I didn't really want to kind of over-intellectualize my work. I thought I would just be quite straightforward, draw the way I wanted to do, draw the way that, uh, paint the way that suited me, and say the things that I wanted to say, and be quite simple about it, straightforward about it. I mean, my work is very straightforward, you know.
0: Suddenly in the early 2000s, you hit this level of fame that is so rare, really, for an artist, a small business, especially almost pre social media. Your work was loved by all. What sparked this level of attention?
7: It coincided with me starting to do the paper cutting style. And I think what made it really click was nobody was working in paper, nobody was working just in silhouette and cutting paper. There was a craft element to it that people loved. There was a kind of detail, fineness that people really loved. So I got lucky that I was a novelty. My medium was, was new, yep. and also there was another side to it where it was, then people would look at my work, and there was something in my work that went with that as well. So in a way, everything kind of lined up at the right time. And then I joined this agency. You know, I was introduced to Paul Smith. I did two big collections with him. I did Liberty's Christmas windows. Was I that did... the moment?
0: Well, I think a Liberty Christmas window must have been incredible for you.
7: Well, it's there were 28 for... windows. It was an incredible oh job. <laughs> 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 it was a...
0: 28 <laughs> windows. Yeah. My goodness.
7: So um, yeah, I mean, all of these happened in a year. You know, it was mental. Like there was job after job after job just coming in. So, I mean, I, I it was funny because imagine for years and years I just sat in my yeah. studio making these pictures. Uh, you know getting a limited response from the world to them but still trying and still trying to get them out there and organizing group shows with friends and you know whatever i could and then all of a sudden the world was interested yeah so it was great and i I did enjoy it i did enjoy collaborating with people
0: um, I wanted to now um, hand over to you. This is a moment in the podcast where I don't know what you're going to say, but I've asked you to write a, a letter what? to your younger self, everyone's favourite moment, our favourite moment, not always the guest's favourite <laughs> moment, um, and write a letter to your younger self. Would you be able to read yeah, that for us? I
7: think I've got it. I put it in this pocket that I can't read. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I kind of took this quite seriously. And I thought... It's a bit like, oh, God, I might ruin my future. Like, back to the future. <laughs> if I give too many clues about what happens, it might not happen. So, I really... Don't... It's not that good, actually.
0: Aww. Okay.
7: Dear young Rob. I don't know how young I am. It's just a general General youth. thing. I am the older you writing to you from the future. You are now 56, nearly 57 what about that? You made it. That's good news. That's a positive, isn't it? Yeah, You're it still is. You're alive still. That's good. I guess the whole point of this letter is to pass on some kind of wisdom and advice to you that I've picked up over the years. I told you that I'm older, but I'm definitely no wiser. I haven't got much for you. At 56... I'm afraid you're still pretty much the same person you are now. A bit neurotic, unsure of yourself, yet sometimes ridiculously confident. You still put your foot in it, trying to be funny or clever or both. Some of the advice I could give you, like, for example, don't be so worried about what people think of you, or even don't be so shy, try to be more confident, might be some help to you. But then again, that might stop you from being the person you are. Maybe obsessing about things and overthinking everything is what makes you, you. And the outcome of all the complications of what you are makes your art what it is. So there you are, 40 years of experience, no advice, no wisdom, no spoilers, (laughs) except follow your instincts, And try and do the right thing. (laughs) The end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next, I welcomed a much-anticipated guest to the stage, Fern Cotton, founder of The Happy Place, who I met only a few months ago, but is now a friend and a woman who I think beams with sunlight. She is at the very start of building her brand, after many years in the public eye. Not an easy thing to do, but I do believe she is building a brand of the future. She joined us to talk about happiness and how it is the new metric for success. I want to touch on a stat that I opened up the day with. The World Health Organization predicts, crazily, by next year... Depression will be the second leading cause of disability in the world. Mm. And a recent study into happiness reveals that since 2012, the average person in the UK has become 36% wealthier, but only 3% happier. So happiness is important, full stop, and we know that. Was there an element of future-proofing yourself um, when picking this area? As there is no doubt about it that building a brand outside your TV career was a smart idea, but picking on something like
8: happiness its quite a hard thing to commoditize, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's a very nebulous subject matter all round, and, and when I had released Happy into the wild, I, did still, I was still kind of half in the trap of, oh, I really need it to be on TV. That would make it complete. Yeah. So let's go and talk to all the TV companies, mm, it's too nebulous. Mm, you know, and I'm thinking, well, yes, but it's also like a universal thing that yeah. we're all hoping for. It's pretty important. For. It's quite important, but still, it's seen as kind of no one can really pin down what it is, how it comes about, and you know, and, and there is no real science to it. I think there are things that help to be aware of, like. Um, happiness isn't a final destination. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not going, right, if I build this massive business, and then I can put all my kids through school, and then maybe um, we'll have a nice holiday every year, whatever. That doesn't mean that in 30 years' time I'm going to be happy relentlessly, and yes. it won't be that omnipresent it happiness. In the and it comes yeah. Out. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's like a it. big chunk of happiness. I think The acceptance is, it is fleeting, it comes and goes. I think that's just for a regular person going about their life, it's fleeting for anyone. Doesn't matter if you're Brad Pitt in a mansion with a big movie star career and loads of awards, or you work in a supermarket, it is the same. It is fleeting, it comes and goes. But the thing, the time when you do have to look at it is if you are feeling deeply, deeply unhappy all the time. Then I think it's time to look at your life, the people around you, the situation you've ended up in, and why. And that's certainly where I was at at a period in my life where it just felt bleak and dark and inescapable, and I knew I needed change. So I think that's the bit we need to look at. When, If you are just going about your everyday life and you, kind of, you have up and down, you know, good days, bad days... Brilliant, that's life, you know? Mm, yeah. As soon as we start thinking out the box that some people out there are the exception to that rule in TV land or the music world or wherever it is that we look to, that we, that we admire, as soon as we start thinking that those people are just happy all the time and have these beautiful lives where everything pans out, we're, we're totally ruining our own chances of feeling any happiness because yeah. it's so unattainable. Always comparing. We're always comparing. And it has to be a bespoke practice. It has to be what works for you. It's usually the simple stuff. It's not about money. It's not about stuff you can get. It's none of that. It's simple, everyday things that just keep you ticking along, like going for nice walks, texting a mate you love every day, cooking doodling, whatever lovely little things Mm. I think give you little moments of just even contentment or feeling okay, that's what we should be looking towards. And then on the flip side, if you are in a very low place all the time, then there's opportunity to look at how you might ask for help professionally or within your circle and, and what changes you might be able to make to go in a different direction to see if that works.
0: This year's congregation of inspiration was truly magical. It was everything and more than I could ever have expected. From the incredible speakers such as Fern Cotton to Charlie Gladstone to Dave Buonaguidi, a church full of 400 small businesses, full of energy, inspiration, creativity. It was just breathtaking. It really is now something that I utterly treasure. The outpouring of love on Instagram has just been humbling. I'm honored to not only create this event, but to then have the pleasure of meeting everyone who attends. It's one of my most favorite, favorite moments. And I am thrilled to say I have some very good news. Not only have we brought the general admission price down from this year, but we have just released our 2020 early bird tickets, which means if you came this year and would like to rebook or you'd like to come and experience this wonder of inspiration and advice for the first time, you now can. But hurry, as we only have a limited amount of early bird tickets. Head to holly.co where you can buy your Congregation of Inspiration 2020 ticket now.
8: And I hope someday we'll you will join us You in the world
9: Hi, uh, I'm Charlie Patrick. I'm the Entrepreneur Development Manager at the NatWest Entrepreneur Accelerator Hub. We are here today uh, sponsoring the live ad breaks at the Congregation of Inspiration, which has been absolutely amazing. It's been such a cool day, so inspiring. We've met so many amazing business owners. This is kind of our values. SMEs, small and medium businesses are the lifeblood of the UK economy and whatever we can do to help them be more sustainable, to build their teams, to be able to scale. So it just is a really natural partnership for us to be able to partner with Holly Tucker and the Congregation of Inspiration. A few takeaways, um, bring your personality, just do it, just go for it, like be brave. And you don't need a 60-page business plan, but you do need to know where you're going.
4: You've
0: just heard from the brilliant Charlie from NatWest who led our independent ad breaks throughout the day. So this week, we have a very special ad break which was recorded live at the Congregation of Inspiration. Without further ado, here is the winner of the NatWest independent ad break, Bespoke Verse. Over to you. Uh, My name's Joanna Miller and my business is called Bespoke Verse. When I am asked to pitch in lifts, I tell a tale of rhyming gifts, of longer poems and one-liners by my hand-picked team of rhymers. We sell in many different places, the boutique shops, the paper chases, had poems on the BBC and written for celebrities. A collaboration is underway with this year's National Poetry Day. They said it wouldn't feed the kids, but I'm very glad to say it did.
5: Awesome.
0: We started the afternoon with Wilfred, founder of The Black Farmer. For me, Wilfred will forever be right up there in terms of inspirational people that I've interviewed for Conversations of Inspiration. His generosity in imparting knowledge, the conviction of what he knows to be true in business and his fearlessness in stepping out and going against the grain. After hearing him speak on the day, I found myself re-listening to his podcast episode right here on Conversations of Inspiration. If you have time, I do urge you to re-listen to it too.
1: Uh, Again, there's two things I want you to remember. I want you to remember these two things because I believe this. Anybody that achieves anything in their lives will have these two qualities. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your education. You only need two things to achieve anything. And any successful person will have the two, these two things. The first is ruthless focus. Any successful person is so focused they're able to get rid of what I call the white noise of living. And it's amazing how much white noise of living gets in the way of being focused in achieving what you want to do. If you look at your own lives and assess it, you would probably find that 95% of it is full of that 95% of white noise, rubbish things that is not going to help you achieve the things that you want. So the key, the first key, is to be absolutely ruthlessly focused. And the second thing, and this is more important than the first thing, very, very important, is that you have to have passion. And the thing about passion is that it defies logic. It defies reason. It helps you get over all of the hurdles that will come your way. So focus and passion are only the two things, and they seem pretty simple, but they're really important to the two things you need to achieve anything that you want in life. One of the great pleasures about coming to talk to all of you here is that you're on a fantastic journey and that you are special. It isn't easy to do what you are doing. And the big world out there is not full of people like yourselves. And sometimes it can seem like it's a really lonely road, going down, trying to do something different. All I could say is this, it is worth it. When it gets tough, hold on. And the thing that makes anything special in what you do, it isn't a theory of how things should be done. What I say to all people is that the essence of any great idea is within you as a person. That is the key. You have it within you as a person.
10: My name's Alyssa, I run a branding graphic design agency called Ali Graphics. Uh, it's my first time here at the Inspiration, uh, the Congregation of Inspiration today um, and I came via the Prince's Trust which is a great organisation. And Today has definitely been, to say the least, an inspiration day. I think my favourite speaker would have been the Black Farmer because he was a walking quotation. When he started talking you had to pull out a notebook and pen, it was amazing. Um, and I definitely think I'm leaving here with more than enough to like fuel me for the
11: next few months to really kind of push myself to the next level
8: of my business. Um, my name's Lucky Glackin and I am the owner of Diabetes this Kid. When I was five, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes, and when I was nine, I decided to make a negative into positive and raise awareness and a smile for type one diabetes. Three, four months ago, I went down to Holly. I got invited to go down to do the Kidpreneur interview and then off the back of that she invited me down to this here today. I want to be a professional rugby player, that's my dream from a young age. But yeah, I'd like to have a business on top of that as well.
0: Next up were the socially famed Freddie, founder of Radswan and Emily, who joined us for the second year and who founded the Happy Newspaper. They sat together on stage as we discussed the three C's, content, community and commerce. Both brought such insight into an area that is often listed by small businesses as a minefield, social media. Due to being an ever-evolving medium, it seems that authenticity is a golden thread throughout. Freddie, I'd love to know your thoughts on content. Do you plan your content? I think everyone here is looking for some tips, correct? Do you plan it in advance and do you decide what your content, you know, should be talking about or, you know, how often you will post well, I don't.
10: But if you go back in time, into my, like onto my timeline, you would see how much I've tried. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really try to really have categories. I tried a bit of YouTube, like styling videos, coaching videos. I really try to have the strategy and, you know, like fill the cases and tick the fashion, tick the, yes. uh, you know, empowerment. We've all got those lists, lists, haven't we? <laughs> We've all got the list,
0: you know, Monday I'm going to do this. Tuesday I'm going to do this. I tried
10: over the years, but then, like, I realized that I'm always setting myself up for disappointment i'm very very intuitive the, s- the second i try to put too much discipline or strategy this is when i let mm-hmm. myself down and just like drop the ball this year especially because we took because when we were trading we couldn't keep up so, so we were so, so successful that we took it back and now i was in the phase of relaunching i felt like i've been pregnant again so because of that i really stepped back massively but also to stop away from the noise, because I feel like Instagram is a lot. But as a content creator also, I have this perspective where I feel like everyone is freaking out and I can feel it. (laughs) You know, Like everyone is like doing a lot of things and I'm just like, (laughs) let me stay away. So I think it's really, you know, like Emily said, and that's the same for me, it's really important to be always intention-led. Like That's what works for me. Um, If I want to feel, if I feel like I want to say something, if I want to share something, I do it like this. I don't need to, me as a person, put myself in different boxes, mm-hmm. like I am Ferry, and this is, if you're following yeah. Ferry, you get Ferry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <it>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get the whole package. You get f- yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever that, that package is, is, however yes. I feel. And I know everyone here today will be um, looking to take some tangibles home, right, on these three Cs. Because mm-hmm. as much as we say... It is just how I'm feeling. I'm just going to put it out there. You know, you have businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And unless you have got huge media campaigns, this is one of your most, I'm assuming, strong methods of getting your voice out there and what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Um, Emily, I'd love to start with you. What are your tips that you would say to growing a community, um, constantly creating content, I suppose, um, and engaging with your community?
4: Again, be authentic. Stay true to yourself, whether whether that's yourself as a brand or yourself as a human. Um, I think there's... You sort of remind yourself that there's no right way to do it. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it, to be honest. Um, and like I said before, if you're putting the right things out there, you're going to get the people that you, you want, you know. Um, and I sort of got to a point, probably like last year or something, where I just stopped sort of craving that validation, like not just... I don't know. I know for a fact, as soon as I put, like, one of my products, a photo of one of my products or whatever, unless I do it in a certain way, or even when I put a picture of the newspaper, for example, that will get the less the less yes. engagement than anything else, Yes. Um, which is bizarre. And then I post a photo of me in a dress floating in a field or something. I, mean, I don't think I've ever done that, but <laughs> if I <laughs> but did you should. I if mean, you yeah. did, <laughs> it like. would be very much like yeah. I much feel light. like that is... So I don't know. I don't know what. The, I don't know anything about algorithms or yeah. anything like that. I just, I just, I, th- I think you find what works. Mm-hmm. I am fully aware when I post a picture of the newspaper, it's not going to do as well as something else. As one of my poems, for example, if I put like a poem or a little one of one of my little scribbly things, that's likely to do better. But then that doesn't make me feel that that's all I need to post. I think if the newspaper's only going to get however many likes then it doesn't matter that's still targeting the right people so authenticity is your key tip there
2: hi i'm ed from kirk i'm back to do a little panel with holly talking about purpose in business been great fun huge energy in the room lots of enthusiasm lots of smiling faces and it's been a blast
11: Hi, I'm Pip, and I'm the founder of Pip and Nuts. I've been a guest on Holly's podcast um, about six months ago, so it's amazing to be back here at the Congregation of Inspiration. Yeah, I mean, I think the vibe that I'm feeling from the room is that there's a real kind of heart and purpose to a lot of the kind of business owners that are on stage and all the speakers as well. And I think what I find most inspiring about small businesses is the fact that they normally come from a place of either dissatisfaction or wanting to see a change in the world. I think that's the beauty of a business is that you know you can actually start to make a change if you if you start something.
0: Next to the stage, I welcomed Edward, founder of Cook, and Pip, who founded the delicious Pip and Nut, to share their insights into building a business doing good. It's an area that utterly fascinates me, as I do believe that it's one of the key elements within the future of commerce. And we should all have our eyes wide open to this if we want to build brands that stand the test of time. And you both um, uh, committed to measuring staff satisfaction. Mm. Um, You for yourself has developed a squirrel satisfaction survey. And Cook, (laughs) you take part in the Sunday Times top 100 companies to work for and came 14th this year. Brilliant. which is pretty phenomenal let's say yeah. Uh, yeah let's do that nice, you know, well done. Well done. time oh, yes. in the game huh and to still be coming 14th mm-hmm. is an incredible thing can you tell us about how this increases your staff loyalty um, and passion
2: um, the first thing I should say is my sister who's my co-ceo should take all the credit for that um, <laughs> but it happens through a very very conscious effort we've been doing that survey for six years and, you know, we've looked at various other ways of measuring it, but it's still the best one for us. It's, but it, it's so, it, you know, it's so many different things that go into building culture. You know, we, we invest a huge amount of money taking people out of the business. So we close the kitchen twice, mm. twice a year. We did that last week, actually. Take everyone off site, just have fun. We do that How with How many people is that? Oh, to, well, it's 300 direct, plus about another 60 warehousey type people. So it's big do. Um, wow. And, but the most important thing is just, you know, just be nice. It's really, just mm. be nice. One of the things I think we've all got better at in the business is, is having a bit more self-awareness about when we're having bad days and just mm. know when you're having a bad day and shut yourself down or do whatever you need to do when you're having a bad day. But, and know how you react on a bad day because that's what mm. sows discontent around the business when mm. big personalities turn yep. up pissed off and then they, <laughs> then they just do weird shit just... don't turn up if you're having a bad day don't show up
11: yeah i completely agree and i also think a thank you goes a really long way yeah um if someone's done a really pulled an all-nighter or whatever it is say thank you um you don't necessarily need to do much more than that
0: but would you say that commercially building purpose and the foresight to doing good is good for business good for the bottom line
11: yeah, 100%. I think it makes people go the extra mile. I mean, if, if I just look at myself, by having a clear purpose and a belief in what I'm doing, you know, when you have those bloody tough days where you just can't see the wood through the trees, like it's the thing that keeps you pushing forwards. Um, so if anything, if anything, I think it makes people work harder to some extent yeah. because you're working towards something that actually means something.
0: And from the customer's point of view?
2: Um... This is a slightly difficult one because yes, it does make a difference to the customers, but it doesn't make nearly as much difference, I think, to customers yet as it does to the people that work for you. Yes. The people who work for you. Do you think that's
0: coming? Because I always feel it's coming. And we need to get ready now for the fact that customers will wake up. And if you're not doing that work now, Absolutely. then yeah. you will be late to the game at, in, in time. Yeah, but, but right now, it's more about your who works with it's, you. It's
2: more about the people that work for us. But also, I think that if you put time and effort into this space, it's amazing how, without wishing to sound too wishy-washy about it, how the business gods just somehow repay you. It's a sort of, it's a, you know, I'm not a religious person or anything, but it's a sort of leap of faith. And somehow you do good stuff and good things happen. There's a sort of karmic karmic thing
11: about it but i would say i guess in terms of the sorts of people that are paying attention to this i do think the younger generation really do do i mean the amount of emails that we get from people who will be saying stuff that they want us to do or you know making comment whatever i i think there's this level of engagement that is totally new right now and i think um yeah you're, you're totally right to say that if you don't get on the front foot with it I think you will be left behind as a business. You need to be really proactive around it. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, I think it's very of the moment, and it's picking up pace for sure.
8: Great. I'm Edwina. I won Wall Circus. I saw it last year and was really gutted that I couldn't come, so made an effort to come down this year um, just great to be amongst other like-minded people and businesses and meeting other people that you might be able to collaborate with you know you can't beat the face-to-face I think you know it's Instagram's great for meeting people but I think face-to-face is, takes it to the next level.
0: Okay I'm Deborah Sparks from Sparks and Daughters well I'm wearing a sequin rainbow
8: dress of course um, I know Holly loves anything sparkly and she's very well known for her sparkly trainers So I've got some sparkly Converse on as well.
0: I just love, you know, her whole ethos of spreading happiness and inspiration. So, you know, any chance to wear my sparkly dress, you know. (laughs) Towards the end of the day, it was me. I was up next and I don't think I am happier than when I am thinking, talking and dreaming up brand. It's amazing how often we overlook this element of our business and yet it's the ultimate key when it comes to building success. Building a strong brand will see small businesses through the toughest of times. And so it was thrilling to share some of my insights into building lifetime brands. So, on the run-up to today, I spent a long time thinking about what the subject was I was going to talk about. And I suppose that my mastermind's um, special subject and the business advice that um, maybe you as a small business would never get from Google. The subject I kept on coming back to was brand. So building Not On The High Street, and now Holly & Co, I've got lots of battle scars and life lessons, and I know for sure that creating a strong brand with stable foundations is the most important step when building your business, and one to get right very early on. It can be, though, rewired and it can be refreshed, it can be tweaked at any time. So, I know this presentation, while I bloody well hope, is going to be useful to all of you at whatever stage you are in your business. My aim today is to help you all create a unique but defendable, iconic brand that will last you a lifetime, because brand is a business's most valuable asset. I believe the best way to visualise brand is to see it as a living, breathing thing, a human being, a creative, characterful, irrational, emotional organism. You might nurture it, you love it, you protect it, and it's the life force within your business. You see, you cannot create a brand with a robot or an algorithm or through an Excel spreadsheet. Believe me, I have seen companies exactly try to do that. Yes, you can use data, you can use analytics to develop your brand, but your values and your messaging and your mission, it has to be human and thus must be treated that way. And like a human, a brand goes way beyond appearance. Brand is the personality, the values you stand for, the way you treat people, what you say, how you act, how you build relationships. You cannot just do this with a sexy logo. But like I mentioned before, big companies don't know this secret. They don't know how to be human. I like to say big businesses are a little Vulcan. We love you, Spock, but you wouldn't be my head of brand. Big corporate businesses are Vulcans because they lack emotion. They base their decisions on data, metrics, analytics, and logic. And I cannot tell you the amount of boardrooms I've been in where they say... Well, the data doesn't support that. Or our customer profile metrics shows this. I used to freak people out when I talk about emotion and my gut instinct. I was often called too emotional as a put down. Well, now I'm confident to say, yes, I am. I am highly emotional, not in a cryy way, but an intelligent way.
6: Hi, it's Dave Bonagreide here. I'm at the Congregation of Inspiration uh, for two reasons. One, Holly asked me, and also two, I think it's really interesting to be in a room full of people who are genuinely interested in transforming their lives to the better. Uh, I'm selling some screen prints, some of the maps that I do. I've also got some sort of inspirational little posters that just say, do it, that I'm hoping people will engage with. I think one of the issues with starting a business is you feel completely alone and uh, you feel like you're about to make a horrendous mistake. And I think sometimes I, I do it, especially as a Catholic boy, always looking for signs from God, you know, listening to music. What's the thing that's going to make me think, you know what, fuck it, just do it. And, um, and so it's kind of trying to tap into that, that audience need of, uh, of people wanting to sort of feel that they can make a decision that will have an amazing impact on the rest of their lives. I've never sat in any place where the intensity of people in the audience listening to somebody on stage talking about their personal journey or whatever it is that drives them, it's absolutely it's incredible and the energy is, is tangible, it's like uh, quite awe inspiring, I've been to a lot of conferences, you know, having worked in advertising for a long time and it's normally full of shitheads just trying to work out how quickly they can run to the pub, uh, whereas here it's quite amazing, the energy is really 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 interesting. Well we're outside the pub, we haven't even escaped I know, it. I know, we walked straight past it, I thought that was very um, grown up with us.
0: And someone who knows a little about brand and how companies amplify their business is our dear Dave Buonaguidi, who's built more than just one advertising agency. He's on his third. Dave closed the day as no one else could. He made us cry with laughter as he delivered the clear lessons he's learnt through his career in advertising.
6: Try to do something amazing. You know, there's a huge amount of passion that I've been feeling in here Uh, when you listen to people who have got those big ideas it is the most amazing thing when I see them feel the energy that Holly has about not only what she does and what she's done but also the energy that she gets giving to to everybody here me included I just think is incredible I I just sent a a message out on um, Instagram talking about I've spent 35 years in advertising I've been to lots of talks and I think I've got more inspiration in the first hour and a half here than I had in 35 years and I think that that is driven by the attitude that you're all bringing, but by the attitude that these guys have put together this amazing event. And I think that, if you don't feel, you know, we should be we should be thinking about that ourselves. That you know, you guys and anybody else out there that is going to see this stuff or interact with it is the legacy for this kind of event. This is the only way it's going to continue to work is if we continually act on it. I think, again, in advertising. We love to come in at any conferences. We love to come in, write a few words down Instagram Instagram, take a picture of a slide, and then go home and get drunk, and then forget about it in the morning. I think it's really important that we act on all of this kind of stuff and then go out and do something fucking amazing because it is a great feeling. And then, then I think if you make a billion quid, you deserve it. There's a, an odd thing that was all about, oh, yeah, if you make money, it's, if you're an artist and you're making money, you're a sellout. I don't believe that at all. I'm an artist, I put a lot of effort into what I do, I spend a long time trying to do it. I wanna make some money because I think I deserve it. I think everybody in here will feel the same. There is no shame in making money if you do it the right way. If you provide a good service and you're a nice person, you do it and you have values that are interesting to other people. Please, please, please make as much money as you can. I wanna talk about business. We all know who that is on the left, Donald Trump. The woman on the right is Anita Roddick. Uh, I had a chance to work with her back in the 90s when I worked in an agency called St. Luke's. and She had a fundamental effect where I just it felt like somebody had opened curtains into my mind about how you should behave in business. Anita Roddick was an amazing person who created an amazing brand that had a lasting effect on a huge amount of people globally. And she is deemed to be as successful as Donald Trump, who is the total opposite of her. The thing that unites both of these people is money. Uh, this uh, i have stolen this from a guy called John Doer, who did a talk online, and he basically broke the business world into two categories: mercenary and missionary. And the next slide will show you the breakdown of um, of the different traits of these individuals. Mercenaries are driven by paranoia. Missionaries driven by passion. They think opportunistically, these guys think strategically. Mercenaries go for the sprint, these guys are in it for the long term. Focus on competitors, focusing on customers and values. Bosses of wall packs, mentors and coaches of teams, obsessed about entitlements, obsessed with contribution. And finally, the most interesting one for me is, motivated by the lust for making lots of money, and the missionary understands the concept of money, but is fundamentally driven by the desire to make meaning. And I think that I would like to think all of us in this room and lots more people outside absolutely sit on that right-hand side. The problem that we've got often is when we're working for other people is that we have to jump over to the other side and behave like assholes, basically, because you have to do it the way that legacy has dictated, this is the way business is run. And like I said, it had a fundamental effect when I was working with Anita because I just saw a way that... You can go through business and you can destroy people or you can work closely with people and you can encourage people. And missionary is so much more beautiful as a way of living your life than being mercenary. So two options, you can be shit or you can be nice.
11: of inspiration and it really was a Ron Seal day, it did exactly what it said on the tin. It looks amazing and I feel totally inspired and just want to say thank you to Holly & Co. My name's Sharon, I
0: do a plethora of things, so I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur
11: Um, and I love Holly, I admire her vivaciousness and her passion and I really just wanted to come along today to kind of be amongst people who are very uplifted and inspirational, so I've loved
2: it.
1: Uh, so my name's Shagan Akramolyola, I'm founder of The Gym Kitchen. I feel like without having mentors, people to look up to, it w- I wouldn't be in the position where I'm ready to launch with a major retailer. So I think they do so much for individuals that it's priceless.
0: Rachel and I run a Scarlet and Pearl studio based in Bristol. The reason I came today was as a sole trader, lovely to come to an event, um, you know, basically my works party.
8: <laughs> I'm Eleanor from Marby and Elm and we've been kindly invited to have a tour at the Congregation of Inspiration. Holly is Genuinely the most inspirational woman I think I've ever seen perform like that. From 8.30 in the morning, we were singing along with the gospel choir until pretty much 9 o'clock at night. All of the things that have been available to everybody here, including us, have been so well thought about, so well considered, and so appreciated by all. So as to affect an atmosphere of just... Love and sharing and it has genuinely been inspiring for everybody I think. And we've sold a lot of your kind of a dick cards for all those men out there who didn't come.
0: What a day it was, none of which would have been possible without everyone who joined us and brought us so much love and energy to the day. Special thanks to NatWest and their continued support of our community and this very podcast. The day has been called a small business wedding and that is exactly what it felt like. I fell in love even more with the community I adore. We laughed, we cried and we danced. It was truly a day like no other and I hope that this episode has given just a flavour of what an emotional and magical day it was. And don't forget In celebration, we've just released the early bird tickets to this community. 2020 tickets are now available. And not only have we bought the general ticket price down from 2019, but for a very limited time only, there is a further whopping 20% off your Congregation of Inspiration 2020 tickets. So grab yours today if you'd like to be part of the tribe next year. I so hope to see you there. But for now, thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you. You are the wind beneath my wings and I will be eternally grateful for you joining me on this journey. Thanks, NatWest, again for sponsoring this podcast. It wouldn't exist without them. And I know how many small businesses this podcast is actually helping. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering business owners. To make use of their free NatWest Business Hub, which is full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals, go to natwestbusinesshub.com. Also, have you heard of their incredible mission to help 400,000 more women start a business by 2025? To help female founders launch and scale their business, they have launched Back Her Business, a programme which helps women prepare their business idea for crowdfunding. Now, here's the best bit. Most of the funding will come from the crowd, where NatWest has teamed up with CrowdFunder. But the bank will provide a top-up in funding and will be offering up to 50% of an individual's fundraising target, capped at £5,000, for certain successful projects. Yes, you heard right. You could win the ability to have the amount you raised, if £5,000 or under, matched by NatWest. I wish I'd had this opportunity available when I launched Not On The High Street or even Holly & Co. Head to natwestbackerbusiness.co.uk to find out more. Also, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. My mission is to help everyone build a business doing what they love. I've seen how happy founding a business based on your passions can make you and I want everyone to have that fulfilment. Happiness is the new rich and using your business as a force for good is the new way of doing commerce. So let's create a nation of happiness happy entrepreneurs that are changing the world for the better. Can I ask you a question? Might you help me on this mission? If you like what you've listened to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams. Thanks so much.
2: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come true when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends
5: to come then bring them